It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. And welcome into a special edition, somewhat of this podcast. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. After a, a night in which, uh, if you're on the Xavier side, not an enjoyable crosstown shootout, but if you're stuck in the middle like I am, covering the game and, and watching the game, it was certainly an enjoyable game to watch. Uh, and let, let's just start, fellas, with the shooting exhibition of Trayvon Blewett. And Chad, you and I were, were talking with somebody before the podcast. I'm trying to think in person if I've seen anything close to that kind of shooting performance, even not even in person, if I've ever seen anybody in college basketball literally in a live setting, either in person or on TV, shoot the ball the way Trayvon Blewett did last night. I mean, you could probably go back to a few Steph Curry games at Davidson. Yeah. We were talking we did, about. We didn't watch many of them. Right. We were talking about Jody Meeks, his 54-point game or whatever it was Tennessee. against Tennessee. Yeah. Um, the Malik I mean, Monk game earlier this year was yeah. really impressive. I don't. I can't remember exactly if he was quite that efficient. And I think he took a few He was pretty shots. hot. Uh, yeah, but he was really, he got really hot. And I, don't really really of, I don't think he was nine of eleven. I don't think he was nine of eleven efficient. That was just the crazy thing is, is that Blewett couldn't miss, and he's struggled so much right. with those jumpers right. this year. Well, UC gave him open ones, a couple open ones early to, to, to get him in a rhythm, and then once he was in a rhythm, it, they had a hand in his face, and it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, go to the one at the end of the half. The one at the end of the half was a throw more than a shot. I mean, he caught it again with with time running. Down Jacob Evans fouled him. It was Skinny made a great point though at halftime. I didn't even see it until I went back and watched it afterwards. But he was wide open on that play for a throwback. They missed him. They threw it back after he's covered. Yeah, almost too late. Yeah, and then and then he somehow finds a way to get that shot. Was incredible. Um, it was a really really fun performance to watch, and to watch that in a loss means we've had a heck of a game. Yeah, I mean I was I was actually typing. UC is going to be very lucky to be down five. Right, and he throws the three in. And he throws the three in. And I was like, well, they're still kind of lucky to be down eight. Yeah, right. the way he played, 26 points. The way he played and the fact that in the first half and then it carried over the second half, the fact that UC free throw shooting was just horrendous. I mean, especially Kyle Washington was just horrendous. And he's like a 65, 70% shooter. I don't – I think with him, he just – and Rick and I, the the jerk off that – does the seating chart put us next to each other? Yeah, I, I, that was a mistake. I, at one point, I thought you were. Did you have him in a headlock at one point? I was not. I was seated a different place. From you. Did you have him in a headlock at one point? He couldn't reach up high enough to get his ah, arm around each other. I stood up on the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the road behind me. Good call. Um, you know, you, you just kind of felt like, here we go. They they couldn't make free throws. Trayvon Blewett was scorching hot. You could feel that in the entire arena. It was just yeah. like, here we go again. Well, yeah. especially, especially, okay, he throws the one in before halftime. That made him six for six. And then, then he hits two. Then he hits two real early in the second half. Um, one that was contested, one that wasn't. And, and you're thinking, this dude ain't, this is a night, this guy ain't missing, period. I mean, they, they, now they're starting to defend him and he's throwing these now things in. Now he's going to get 50. And, and I thought at 52-45, I think it was after he made another three, I thought, UC's in real trouble here right now because can they score and can they find a way to stop him? And it was almost like the light switch went on and and, and it, it turned around from a, a, at one point a nine-point deficit of the second half for, for UC to a nine-point deficit eventually for Xavier. Do you think Trey's ridiculous first-half performance helped or benefited UC in any way? And I say that in the sense that we talked so much before the game about we both thought if UC had to push the pace and play a little faster, it would benefit them. Um, And I thought Trey scoring the way he did and forcing UC to be in that kind of comeback mode really really kind of 
took the took the question or the equation out of Mick's hands and just said, "We've got to go. We've got to run out." Kind of, yeah. Make a I mean, but I but I think they were planning. I mean, I don't think they intended to slow it down either way. I, I think it may made him play maybe even a little even faster. looser. Yeah, yeah. Where, where um, kind of like Jaron Cumberland, you're just like, "Go, just go." You know, we'll get to him in just a moment. Yeah. I, I, I thought Mick made a great change, and I don't know why he didn't make it earlier. But after the eighth three, <laughs> I think he, he yeah. made a great adjustment after the eighth. Go, go to all your different threes after the eighth three. After the eighth one, he had Jacob Evans face guard him. Yeah, and, I, and, and it's funny. But the, he didn't get it. He got one. He, he got fouled with Kevin Johnson on him. But other than that, he didn't get a shot attempt off for almost ten minutes. Yeah, no. It, it, that question was asked in the post game, and, and everybody kind of downplayed the answer to that of, of wow, we didn't make adjustments. I was like, yes, you did. I mean, yeah. you could see it was pretty plain to see what you did. In fact, I wrote about it. it. It was pretty plain to see what you did. It was the right thing to do because literally he didn't have a, an official field goal attempt for that ten minute yeah. stretch. The one that he got fouled on the three doesn't count as an official attempt. Right. But but that's a that's a long stretch for a guy that hot to not even get a look. And he barely got touches, yeah. let alone looks. Yeah, I thought. I thought it was weird that Mick was like, you know, we didn't make adjustment. I just said play harder, which I get what he was I, saying. I, I do too. And in the first half, I think he felt like they just weren't rotating well enough and getting out on shooters. Well, they were walking away from him. Yeah. See that, is, and that's sort of what I felt is it's like, well, you're you're selling out to keep Sumner out of the lane. Clearly. Yeah. Like that is your plan here. And so I do think there was an adjustment there, right? Like, you made sure to come out on Trayvon Blood. And I'm sure fans kind of felt like, why do we keep doing this against Xavier? Because the last two or three years, Xavier's gotten good looks early, gotten hot, and gotten well, a lead. I can tell you it had been in the game plan in years past to leave certain guys open. Yeah. I, I can promise you leaving Trayvon Blood was not one of them. Was not no, one no, of them. It wasn't a specific <laughs> right. part of the game plan, but I think what, what we were saying before. Yeah, they were collapsing to keep something out of the lane because they, they wanted to to – to keep the drive and kick and, and keep him from being a, a, a danger. And, man, he looks bad. Yeah, and because Xavier really didn't run anything to get Trayvon no. open. They were running, like, a simple dribble handoff and, then like, a ball screen maybe and then just and then a cross, cross, yeah. occasional flare maybe. But that yeah, was, was, that it was, was very, very, it wasn't, very yeah, basic it really was. actions. And it wasn't like they had to rotate the ball twice or anything. It was, like, the first action they got it and he shot a three and he just bang, got bang, confident bang, right away. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to Edmund Sumner. We'll get to Jerron Cumberland here in just a second. Go ahead. I've got one other thing I want to touch on. One more thing about Trayvon. I thought Redford said something that was kind of interesting on our show the other day, and I kind of wish I would have followed, followed up with it to ask a little bit more about what he meant. I heard it when I was editing uh, that podcast, but he talked about the fact that when you asked him why the Xavier team isn't shooting the way they did a year ago, he talked about not being able to make adjustments in-game. I think that's something interesting with Trayvon Blewett because we've seen him, when he gets hot, he's like this, where he yeah. can't miss and he stays yeah. hot. But we, it doesn't seem like he's a guy who can miss three or four to start and, and then get himself right. going. And I think that's a good point by Brad. Like, what is it? What do you have to adjust as a shooter to, to figure that out and get it, going it, when you're struggling? It's funny because um, I've coached a couple kids like that that literally they'll make five or six threes and then another game the kid can't make one. And you know it's one of those guys where every time it leaves his hand, you're like, that's in. No, no, it's not. That's in. No, it's not. And I just wonder if it's a, just a specific night, either the muscle memory is there or it just simply is not. And, 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 I, and that sounds, you know, too technical probably and too deep, but you see guys who you know are good shooters. You love the way they shoot the ball, and yet every time it leaves their hand, it's going in. Man, not tonight. It's not. It's short. It's long. It's it's just in and out. It's just not there. And then a night like last night, I mean, he, he splashed everything. And that's the way I've always felt is it's kind of more of just like a it is or isn't thing, right? Like you, you're feeling it or you're not. But hearing Brad talk about it and you start thinking about some of the better shooters, and you're like, you're right. A lot like the best guys – 
Don't don't get into slumps right. where you know where they can't get themselves hot. They'll go Steph Curry will go zero for six and then hit seven right, in, a row right. in a game. And we've never really seen Trayvon do that too much that I can remember. And so I just think it's right, an interesting right. thing where like that maybe is the next step of his development because I don't think he's ever going to become a really dynamic player off the bounce. So like people keep saying he needs to add that to his game. And I'm one of them. That's, I'm one of them said that. So, and, yeah. and I agree, but I don't think that's ever. He's not a good enough athlete for that to like really translate at the next level. So the next step for him is to be able to be that elite shooter that can get himself going no matter what. And that, that's the one thing I do wonder for that stretch where he didn't really get looks, didn't really get touches. If that's a time where, where Jacob Evans is, is up so tight on him that if you can get a dribble handoff or something and maybe he doesn't get a clean look, that at that point he starts to try to drive the ball. Now that's, that's easier said than done, yeah. especially against a guy like Jacob Evans and his length. But I wonder if that's a circumstance where, look, they're, they're, they've taken this part of your game away now. They, 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 you've, you're hotter than they can be. They're not going to give you any clean look, but they're going to be up in your grill. So maybe it's a chance then to, to alter it and go around because he, he just was a non-factor for, for literally a, a, the stretch of the game that turned it around. That wasn't the only thing that turned the game around, but he was a non-factor in that stretch. What do you guys think in that situation? Were they wrong? Because, I, I mean, uh, Dan, that I do my podcast with, compared it on the, our message board to Marvin Lewis with A.J. Green sometimes, where teams will double him and will use him as a decoy and just throw to everyone else for the rest of the game um, and let them keep double covering him. When they went to that defense where they're face-guarding Trey, is it the other guy's fault that they weren't able to step up and score when, when UC's well, defense was selling out on Trey? I mean, or is it Xavier's fault for not forcing the issue and going, getting it back to Trey? I mean, I think the thing was that I don't think Xavier was necessarily like running – Stuff away and, from him. And, uh, well, I don't think they were necessarily running like Trayvon plays when he got hot. No, they weren't. No, they I just think, made a point that they weren't. They you, was, see, yeah. just, you see walked away from right. him, and, and he was the right pass. So I, I think in those situations, yeah, maybe, you know, you want but, – but what play call – do you go to when when you're being face guarded like that? Like, what's what's the go to play when your guy's not helping on anyone and not doing anything but on you? Right. And he's a six foot six athletic wing with a forty two inch vertical. Like you're taking one of their major defensive pieces out of the equation. You've yeah. done your job. Right. Someone else has to step up. That, right? And I think Absolutely. that's I think that's, that's the my big part. feeling. I think that goes back to, to and I guess I'm going to jump ahead. Or that goes back to Edmund a little bit. He was in foul trouble, um, so he wasn't in for some of those stretches of, of that either. And, and he's obviously playing hurt. I mean, he just did not look good at all last night. He did have seven assists, and he actually had a really good one on a cross court pass to, to Trayvon for three number. I'd have been three number eight. Uh, they all run together after a while, um, but just one of seven from the field, Rick. And, and again, just doesn't have. It just doesn't look like he wa- he wants to get to the rim because his arm's dead. Because his arm's dead. And I get again. That's the human part. I of mean, this. you can see it when he's bringing the ball up the floor. His arm just hangs. Like, you know, n- normally guys will have that arm up in like a running type position, ready to go. Not quite in Tyler Lewis position. <laughs> Velociraptor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had to see the visual of that. I don't know why, but you just looked like Tyler Lewis doing that. I don't know how you nailed that impression so well. I wish, wish we had the Facebook Live going. Yeah, exactly. Um, but still, he—he he just it, it was dead. It was just hanging by his side. I mean, it, you could tell he just wasn't the same guy. And I thought he did a pretty good job because, look, they were selling out to stop him early in the game, so I think he didn't force the issue. He had seven, assi- seven assists, one turnover. He found Trey when Trey was hot. But he's hesitant. I mean, it's clear that he is. He doesn't want to bang it. No. That he he pulls up at times. And he hit. And he then, hit the floor hard. And I was just say. Then the one time he did do that, it hit the floor hard. I, I wasn't sure he was getting up. Yeah. I mean, he didn't want to get up. No. And I looked. He didn't land on his shoulder on that. But it was. But it, it was his leg. His back. Yeah. And he, I think it's, real, every time he bumps himself, it rattles everything, <laughs> and he feels it, man. Because he's all bones, man. Yeah. There's, there's not much there. What becomes of him? 
Ah, that's a good question. I, I've honestly, at this point, I put this on our message board last night. I, I'm not sure how much we see of him the rest of the year. I really, I could see them shutting it down, especially with the way things went last night. Um, but he's been tough. I mean, he's been playing well through it. I don't well, think yeah. he's played poorly with the injury, but I wouldn't blame him if he shut it down at this point. I mean, I think he's clearly in significant pain, and I think he's clearly not quite himself. And if he feels like, look, this is going to cost me more than it's going to help me keep running out here and not playing like myself, then he may have to shut it down. Yeah, we'll touch on that probably a little bit more on, on Monday's podcast because we'll see for sure what, what happens um, when, they, when they play St. John's. I, I almost expect him not to play against St. John's and maybe take a game to just – See if a little rest can help it, but but I mean, what we think of what the injury is, there's nothing that that doesn't, helps it. Surgery doesn't sound like it's going to get better just by sitting out a couple weeks. Yeah, or a couple we'll, games and we'll talk about the long term ramifications of that on on Monday, just just to see if he does indeed give it a shot over the weekend. Can we um, can we talk about the team that won? Yeah, we're going. As I said, let's let's, let's spin to that because it, it really was done basically on on the glass. Um, yeah, the, the rebound edge isn't isn't big when you no, see forty two to thirty three. That's that's. I mean, that's obviously Xavier came in ranked uh, what fifteenth in the country in, in rebound differential at plus seven point six, but um, a nine difference on the glass isn't big. It was just what they turned those offensive well, rebounds, was, nineteen offensive rebounds, into a thirty to four second chance performance. And and it was funny how many different guys used the word punked on glass because that is. Literally, what happened? That was the message you could you, that Chris Mack delivered in the locker room. You Pretty punked. clearly, yeah. Um, well, the, the amazing thing is it, a great stat from Charles Bronson on your board that I borrowed last night. Because of the offensive rebounding, and if you look at it, Cincinnati had 19 offensive rebounds. There were only 39 available rebounds on that end of the floor. Um, Xavier had 20. That's yeah, that's a good. Cincinnati goal. had 19, so Cincinnati got like 48.7 percent of the, the offensive rebound that's opportunities. Crazy. And in the second half, there were, what was it? There were 39 or 33 possessions yeah. in the second half, and Cincinnati scored on all but eight. Yeah, they either got, I mean, the, the second because half of the was ad in the offensive rebound. was either UC driving and getting fouled on the drive or then missing a shot either against man, especially against zone, and getting the rebound and then either getting fouled again yeah. or Making putting the ball it, in the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, and we talked a lot about Xavier's, you know, they were t- top five in the country in defensive rebounding. And I was thinking if UC can get to 12 to 15 points on the offensive glass, it's a huge, right. huge, huge benefit for them. And is that that first half, again, thanks to the jerk that put us next to each other, as we were talking throughout the first half, it's like. Oh, wait a minute, you guys were actually talking? Well, mumbling. Mumbling, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was like three offensive rebounds. Four offensive rebounds, five offensive rebounds. I mean, it was clear from from Jump Street that that they were getting after it on the glass. I think, like you said, we talked about that in the preview podcast, and we were saying it in the sense that, like, hey, this isn't going to be a big issue for Xavier because it never is. But if UC is able to get a few extra points on the offensive glass to supplement what they're doing offensively, that'll be great. I'd never imagine no. what happened happened in terms. If of If I just said UC was going to score thirty points off a of second chance points, you'd have laughed me out of this room. Oh, oh I, no doubt. Oh, yeah. I would have. I would have addressed you on this podcast. Right. Your message board would have been so mad at me. <laughs> had you said Especially that after they, they would have scored the thirty points. <laughs> oh, my my social media mentions would have been on fire. 
And, and it wasn't the thing is it wasn't just one guy going no, and getting the offense. It wasn't Moses everybody. Malone getting twenty one offensive rebounds. I think it Gary was, set the tone. Gary set the tone. But, but Gary had five. Jacob Evans had four. Kyle Washington had three. Nizer Brooks had two, and then five other guys had one offensive rebound. It's just each. a collective effort, right? But I think early in the game, the first few possessions, it was like guards. It was, yeah. it was like three or four right. different guys right in the first three yeah. or four of them. So you're, it even brought like more of a everyone's going to do. Yeah, this. Kevin Johnson got one of his buckets on a stick back, didn't yep. he? Yeah. So I mean, or he didn't have many buckets, but one of his two buckets, I think, came on a stick back as well. I think the other thing too to take away is is this, <sighs> is the offensive balance of UC, and, it, and it's been talked about. Um, and one guy who actually had come in hot, and you mentioned it on Wednesday, Kevin Johnson, really didn't have an effective offensive game, but off the bench came the freshman, Jaron Cumberland, who um, he, ab- he took it to another level. He took it to a different McCura. level last night. Yeah, he, I mean, he absolutely undressed J.P. McCura. McCura could not guard him, and Cumberland, for about a four-minute stretch. He's JP. JP needs to pull his pants up then. Yeah, that was the chance. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Did you think that was clever enough for him, or uh, was it too repetitive? Yeah. Like, they needed to change it up. No, I, I thought I think he was okay with it. I thought the the um, full-size driver's license with his mugshot in it was really good. The Miles Morrissey. Fox Morrissey. Miles Fox Morrissey, yeah. Uh, but it was his mugshot, though, yeah. in the picture instead. I thought that was pretty good. Um, I did find it interesting that this year we had Jaron Woofing at Xavier. Bench, JP Woofing at UC's bench, and we were allowed to care about it. The game still; it didn't have to be about polio and Benadryl. So that was, <laughs> that was nice to hear that. Um, he just he was incredibly aggressive, and the thing about Jaron, he just doesn't get affected by anything. Like his his expression never changes. Yeah, I mean, he, even, he even took a horrible three. Yeah. it was a horrible three, and he made it. No, well, he made one of them. <laughs> yeah, like, two horrible threes. <laughs> he took a second horrible three and, and, and missed that one in a, kind of a key juncture in the game. But you're he right. doesn't it, care. It didn't seem to affect him whatsoever. He came back just as aggressive the next trip. He's always been that way. He he has what what I've talked about with like Trayvon Blewett and J.P. Mucaro of the like they it doesn't register of them like hey I played bad and now I need to turn it down. He has that, yeah. and he's not playing bad, so right. <laughs> so he doesn't have to worry about it. I mean, he's just unbridled confidence right now, and that was. A guy like a star in the shootout. Yeah, that was what the stars in the shootout look like. They're just playing with fire. They're yelling at the other team, and their own teammates are looking like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, for like, like here. I mean, he what? he scored thirteen points in eight minutes in the second half. He only had fifteen total for the game. In those eight minutes, it was literally just like everybody. The game. Everybody at UC was like. You got it, bro. Upperclassmen were yeah. just like, this is your game now, man. Do it. Right. Yeah. Do your thing. And he grabbed that one rebound. It bounced out. He grabbed it and just went straight to the rim, like off the rebound, yep. coast to coast. It was like. Holy cow. Man. Yeah, I mean. Good for him. And attacking, it wasn't just, he hit a couple threes, but he wasn't settling. He was getting and ones. He was getting into the lane. He, I mean. He he really put Xavier's defense in shambles, I thought, early in the second half. Yep. He started to make the run because you mentioned he decimated JP off the bounce. Then Xavier goes 1-3-1. One, one. And the key to the 1-3-1 one, one is when you catch it on that wing, you either have to shoot it right away because you're wide open, or you have to go straight through that gap as hard well, as at you least can, it, full it, board. Uh, yeah, or at least attack it to, to, to get two guys to collapse at the very least. But, well, you're right, right, but you have to do it immediately. You're right. It can't be There's like no hesitation. Yep. Because he, the whole point of defense. does not hesitate. Exactly. Yeah, he got called for a charge on one of those, but for the most part, they're and this really did it. It, yeah. it, it. it sliced the zone up for the most part. And that allowed Jacob Evans to get going. I mean, right. it, it, watching that game, if you weren't like monitoring it, 
would you have thought Jacob Evans scored 21 points? Not a chance. No. See, I, I thought he had just so many. He was so consistently yeah, a factor. that's the thing. He was, he but, I would have, but 21's a lot. I mean, if you think we, it's not 40, but no. 20, 21's a lot, and it didn't feel like 21. It, it is, and I'll, but I'll, I'll tell you what, I think part of it was Trayvon's first half. Like, you lost, the, you it, lost yeah. the fact that Jacob made some big plays in the first half, too. He had nine, and, nine at halftime. And then he made some big plays in the second. He yeah. was just a consistent factor at every juncture of the game. Made a big play. Hit a, hit the big hit a huge three with about three and a half minutes left, and then JP came down and chucked a twenty eight footer four seconds into the shot clock. Dumb. Just ter- stupid, terrible I mean, decision. But- and he, like again, I know he wants to be that guy, and I know we've talked about him as potentially being that guy in years past, like the Providence shot last year, the Villanova game last year. He made big plays. But he's like he's got to get past this. Yeah. He, can't, he can't keep making bad decisions just because he has the confidence to, to take that shot. Yeah, that was not a good, that was not a good decision. Speaking of threes, though, the guy that got the really the, the capper the three, three winner, eighty-one uh, seventy-seven at the time, a little bit under a minute left, shot clock winding down, free throw shooting being horrible. Yeah, Troy Copain steps up and, and gets a little friendly bounce, but uh, but it did go in. And for a guy that had been zero and three, um, finally getting his first win to really put the capper on it was probably apropos. Yeah, that was his shootout moment. Like like Troy's always going to have that three that. Hit off the front rim that never finds its way in the basket, that somehow backspun for, like, forward towards the rim instead of away from the rim, it, like it, it always it, does. Because again, it was it was a it was a big shot. It was a yeah. four point game. It was a shot. It was a shot clock. They three. played often because he drives in those situations. And, and when eighty percent of the time, when it hit the rim, you could almost feel the whole building go silent for just a second. Like, oh. Yeah. yeah, then it went crazy, but yeah, it was it was a good moment for him. Yeah, I mean, you got to be happy for the like Troy's a great, great kid, and for him to have that, I was talking to his dad's in town. Um, I was talking to to his dad after the game, and you could tell it just was like a, a gigantic weight lifted off his shoulders. That he, not only was he able to get the win, but he was able to have that that huge senior moment in the shootout. Hell, he had sixteen. Yeah, he played five assists and yeah. one turnover and what? Well, three. he doesn't turn the ball. No, he doesn't. No, but but I know. Ever. But still, but that, that's still good. Yeah. a five to one stat line every night. I think I'll take it. He's right about that. For he the, is. I think, I think he's he four is. and a half, almost yeah. five for the season. It was just such a cool moment. Yeah. I mean, like even as a Xavier fan, if you watch that game and you're you're upset about Xavier losing, I'm sure. But if you know they're going to lose at that point, seeing him make that shot had to be like good for him. Just because, I mean, like you said, it, it's it's so important for guys I think that come through these programs to yeah. have that shootout moment and and it was like great you won but did you leave your impact on the game and he clearly did he hit that last shot to seal it and fans will always remember that it was it was a neat moment it I, was I was happy for and him. then when Mick got him out he got to come right. off the court and get his standing his standing out Zach, Kevin, Zach Tober got his 0.2 seconds hey, of playing time which was Tobler I bet that's the, I'm still, the, I know, the awesome. highlight of his absolutely. career yeah, awesome. he got on the floor yeah, in the shootout absolutely. There's got to be no better feeling as a walk-on to walk on knowing you're winning a shootout final. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's got to be awesome. I I thought one thing that just really stood out to me leaving the arena last night was it was damn cold. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Just one other thing. <laughs> Another thing that that hit me was just I thought it was cool that you could really feel how fun it is to be a UC fan right now. Like you, the basketball team's just rolling. I think you've got to be really excited about the upside of potential of what this year has in store. Fickle just has this football thing. Oh, man, he, he came out. Had, I had my head down. I didn't even know he had come out. I heard this roar. And I'm like, who walked? I went, oh. How about him not even speaking? Did That's the like, Yeah, just spun around, like, held his arm. Yeah, like, like I'm, 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 I'm the guy. I'm out. <laughs> yep. Uh, the place went nuts for that. I mean, he had all these big-time recruits at the game that are tweeting out, 
you know, all, all yeah. types of positive things. And you've got fifth third renovations. Like, I just feel like you could feel the momentum from the UC fan base and how excited they were. Well, and I it's had, crazy because if you go back to when the Big 12 stuff, when the announcement was made. It was made, a huge letdown. All huge. the way through the, end of the, football the season. day Tommy Tuberville right. was fired. It was so down. Everybody was so – I mean, and, and, you know, owning a message board – you could feel it. I mean, it was every day. Not no, just feel it. You could tangibly hi- read yeah. it. Yeah, you're hypersensitive to the, yeah. the, the swing, and it's been such a drastic swing in just two months, yeah. three months. I mean, it, now you're 18-2, and two and you've got incredible momentum on the football side, and signing day is coming up in a five, four days or whatever. Um, it's It's like, been pretty interesting to see the dynamic of how – Boom, I'm changed. I'm sure you felt it because you're you're into that. But like you felt the buzz in the arena no last night, right? Absolutely. I mean, there was a now, there's going to be a buzz for a shootout game as it is. But yeah, but like I said, I had my head down typing some. I might have been tweeting something out on my computer when I heard the roar and realized, I, you know, every school brings out a famous person or two. Well, they just brought break. Steve Logan out the break right, before to, to give him uh, a, a placard of some kind. Um, well, they're they're doing a thing this year where they're putting but, the, the yeah. best moments of the shoe. And they're putting players on the tickets. And he was the one. But, and he was but the this one. war was different to the point where I looked up thinking, who in the world? Oh, I see who it is. I well, get this. And, now. and I, I like yeah, the, I like the Luke. Yeah. I mean, it, the place was right. I, I had a fan come up to me after the game, just wanted my pr- press credential as a keepsake. Fr- like, I mean, <laughs> these fa- these fans were. Did it have your name on it? Happy to be there, yeah. man. They were, yeah, it did. I don't know. I, 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 do I tell you that. what, a Rick Boring press credential on the open market, that could be scary. Spin it around, I guess, and put it in a frame. I don't know what he's doing man, with eBay, that. eBay, that's did you it. sign it? No, I was wondering what the hell he wanted it for. I was like, that, <laughs> it has a sticker on it. He's like, no, it's cool. Like, if I see that on eBay, I'll buy it back for you, okay? Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just so you can it was have just your own the plastic one, or the, the, the cardboard one. one. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't laminated. Yeah, but still, man, it's it's It's, it's a Rick Browning Crosstown shootout press pass. Yeah, I mean. Ten years from now, that thing is gold. I hope that gold, dude Jerry. has that hanging up ten years from now. Know, Someone that knows me just randomly walks into his basement. It's like, the hell? <laughs> yeah, Rick Brown, I know that guy. I knew that guy. You know that He's a hack Creighton fan. No. He spelled his last name wrong. Yeah, how'd they do that? Um, I do want to touch on one thing, um, maybe negative, but it's really more of an observation. The first half when UC was having some trouble offensively. Gary Gary Clark, I thought, was really good at times, and it it seemed like they went away from him. I I, I just feel like there's times when they play through him, I just think they're they're really good. Yeah, Mick said on Monday he sprained his ankle so bad that they thought he wasn't going to play. They prepared the entire game plan without him. So for him to go out and go 13 and 11 on a bum ankle, that's Gary Clark. Like, um, Yeah, I mean, you would want to see him play through him as much as possible. I think what they did, for some reason, he just has this mental block when Trayvon Blewett is guarding him. We were talking about it during the game last night, and every time they got somebody else on him, UC played through him. He owned Kaiser Gates last night. Dude, yeah. owned him. Destroyed him. Owned him. But then didn't score on Trayvon is bizarre to me. Like, yeah. I don't get that. Which is not something they put and a 6'9", 230-pound body he, on He you. got to point-blank range the one time on Trayvon and couldn't put it. Two inches into the basket. He gets where he wants against Trayvon and then doesn't finish for some reason. I don't know what that's about. But, but, but And I think that was a lot of it. When it was Kaiser Gates. Oh, he, it, he had it, so much confidence. Yeah. He drove him from the perimeter yeah. and just spin move, bullied Dude, him. That spin it move that he – I mean, he's showed it now in the past couple games. It's big time. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a big time move. I mean, he does it so decisively and quick, and he's all the, you know, all of a sudden and, and, he hits you and, with and it. And he finishes. He, he hits you with it, and then he's at the rim. Boom. And the t- thing is, he's not, like, doing that enough to where anyone's, like, sitting on that right. and waiting on it. So it always, like, catches people off guard. And he, you don't think he's that explosive 
until he does it, and yeah. then he's eight feet on the other side of you and flipping it in from four feet. Now, the flip side is that Xavier didn't finish at the rim. They were six of, tw- six of 23 on layups. Now, some of those are contested, and UC's length does bother you and does alter. But the first two trips down the floor, they went, Rasheed Gaston they, had— They tried had, to do what you said. Had two— Go easy, right at Kyle. Easy opportunities to score and miss them both. And you can argue, well, did Kyle Washington alter them? I didn't think I he don't did. Think so I, I thought those were just two got him in deep, yep. and you got to finish, man. That's, if you bury him as deep as Rashid did on both trips, you've got to finish. And then, I mean, and then Sean came in and offered nothing. I, t- I thought before the game he could be a dark horse in this game because he could put Kyle wherever no, he's he a wanted ghost instead. Well. And they just cannot finish. How about Mick going the entire second half, offense, defense with Nizier Brooks? Yeah, I thought Nizier, Nizier Brooks, Brooks made an impact. Was a huge impact in that second half and then every game he's coming along and you're starting to see defensively he is a game changer for them and a, and a perfect compliment to Kyle Washington right. for when you need somebody Absolutely. off the bench to be that defender and that enforcer and how about him not letting Trayvon Blewett dunk yeah, in the right. last Second of the game. I, 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 you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I love that. I, no, I, oh, I, I, I do too. I that's that. Nizier Brooks. You are not dunking on him. Yeah, I mean, it was a garbage time play. That's not a knock on one. I mean, Xavier's no, trying to play the clock out. I, I love it, it by Nizier. It, in, and in most circumstances, it's, uh, here, you have your garbage time dunk. Have a good, he wasn't having any no, of no. it. That's, you, that's Nizier. And that's the other thing I love about it is don't, don't complain after the game about, oh, you shouldn't be dunking when the game... No, go block his ass. Yeah. Don't, yeah, right. don't, right. don't right. let him dunk. And then it looks awesome. I and t- then your crowd goes nuts again. It's- I've told you guys, he had the most, maybe the most incredible block I've ever seen in my life, right? Have I told that story I here? I think so. So we're watching, uh, we're in Atlanta, I think, at the Under Armour finals. And um, Josh Jackson is on one team. Nizier's on his loaded um, we are one team. And Nizier's inbounding the ball. He gives the ball to Trayvon Duvall. Trayvon Duvall tries to throw uh, like a 60-foot, eh, probably about a 40-foot outlet pass. Right. Josh Jackson jumps it at half court. And the only person under the rim is Nizier Brooks. So one-on-one coming at him. Josh, Josh Jackson, Jackson, of course, number one player right. in the country at the time. Six-foot-seven, absolute freak athlete. And he's going straight to the rim. Straight to the rim with a head full of steam, jumps from about 12 feet, cocks that thing back like a hammer. Where, where the only thing you can do as a defender usually is either, honestly, take a charge or foul the guy. I mean, that's all you can do. Those are usually the only two things you're going to do. You're not blocking that. You're just not. Big Nas went straight up, caught him, hand fully above the rim. Caught the ball. Threw him down and the ball at the same time? Yes, sir. And I and I asked Nas after the game, I said, dude, you are going to be on every mixtape ever if he dunks that. Like, you're going to get body bagged. Why not get out of the way? And Nizier said, we ended up winning that game by one point. There you go. If I don't block that shot, we lose that game by one point. And, and, and Mick Cronin's talked about how for, for a freshman big man, and, and he's right, they're usually so bad defensively, and how he's ahead of the game that really now it's his offense that would need to catch up. And if it does, I mean, his upside is absurd. Dude, I liked Nizier a lot from watching him on the road, but I thought it was going to take some time. And when he got to campus, it was like, oh, Nas has been putting in work, and he is not a project. Like he moves his feet really well. Yeah, uh, for shot blocking for big. a six six eleven, two hundred and fifty pound, two hundred and forty pound, you know, human being. And it, I, I I look at him at times, and I want like, is he still growing? Because he looks bigger, like. Than, than he did when he got here. Well, his frame just keeps filling out, too, working yeah. like Ray Feld. And that's probably what bigger, it is. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. Here. But, man, I mean, he, he's got a ch- And he's got another year to learn behind Kyle 
you know, where it's not going to be you're forced into this rotation and you've got to play 25, 30 minutes a night. But you're getting to the point with Nas where he deserves 15 minutes a night. Oh, I mean, yeah. 15 to 20 minutes a night. Just because of what he does on the defensive end. Yeah. And, and offensively, like, he has a ways to go, but his footwork is pretty darn good. And He's that's, getting there. And that's the biggest yeah. thing. If you get that down early, you, you've got a lot more upside. Well, it's feet and hands. I mean, it's yeah. the, and, he, and he's good. He's fine with both, yeah. I think, so far. So. All right, for both teams, they, uh, they're they not playing Saturday. They get an extra day. They'll, they'll play on Sunday. Uh, Xavier's at St. John's, and UC hosts South Florida. So probably a little bit softer landing spot for UC because they are at home playing arguably the worst team in, in, in the league that has some really yeah. bad teams at the bottom of it. So that's that's good for them. For Xavier, on the other hand, to, to go to St. John's, granted they are they are a bottom-tier team in the league, but at their place, the fact that they can score some, some hoops. <laughs> they got and, two dudes. And, and this, is not a softer, this is not a soft landing spot, even though you, you'd look at it and go, well, it's just St. John's. Well, it's St. John's on the road after this with maybe not having your point guard. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows what happens with Edmund? I mean, as of now, I mean, there's no reason to think anything's changed. Right, but, right. But, again, we're, we're speculating here. And then uh, just St. John's in general is, has been a tough game for people, and you get them on their court. It, yeah, it's not it's not going to be easy by any stretch for Xavier. They have Marcus Levette gave them trouble. Shamari Pons is always capable of getting anyone trouble. And the thing about St. John's is there's not a lot you can do to take away what they do. It's kind of more of just a – Make or miss game against them, and if they make more shots than you do, you're going to be in trouble. And save your going on the road. That's yeah. always a always a scary proposition for them, no doubt. Such on Kentucky for a minute. Um, speaking of going on the Ooh, road, buddy. The, Tuesday was a, was an odd night. Obviously, you had the one, two, and four ranked teams in the country all losing, but all losing on the road. But which loss of that is the most surprising? Kentucky, and, and the, which I agree with. And then which loss is the most impactful? Which matters the most? West Virginia, right? Um. Yeah, yeah. It means the most. Because, like, the Tennessee over Kentucky, it's great. Tennessee still sucks. And and Kentucky's still going to lose probably only one more game at most in the league and still win the league. Now Kansas gets brought back to the pack a little bit in a league where there's still some some road games, even for them, that will probably prove to be a little difficult. Right. Um, But, yeah, strange night, one, two, and four going down. But really Kentucky on the road, or at least away from Rupp. Not as good. They're they're not, and and it's mostly defensively for some reason. If you look, I mean, they they did beat North Carolina on a neutral but gave up 100 in that win. Um, uh, Obviously did not play very well at Vanderbilt. Had to eke out that win by three. Did not play great at Mississippi State. Let a 17-point lead get away, one by six. And then then what took place down at Tennessee. yeah, they have not, and, and I, I, I don't. I mean, they've got the parts to fix it, right? But, but you just wonder why, why is that happening? And it's happening away from Rupp more than that's happening at Rupp. I, I tend to disagree with you on the defense okay. thing. I think it's them missing shots, and then when they miss shots, they don't get to set their defense, get after you, and pressure you that's nearly as well. Okay. You're missing well, shots. They, Teams are able to run. They also you a let it bit. affect them. Yeah, and, and obviously they let down a little bit because they got a bunch of young kids. Right. That you miss shots, you, you have a little bit of an emotional letdown. So to me, that's been their issue. Is on the road, they don't make shots the same way they do at home, and that affects their defensive effort. Yeah, no, that's probably fair. Obviously, though, a huge game on, on Saturday in Rupp Arena, 6-15, I think, 6-30, 6-something or other. It's at the 6 o'clock time frame. They, they do play Kansas. Kansas coming off the loss as well, but also get with some off-the-court issues that are going on with them. You wonder how much that affects them. But really for Kentucky, if they want to have any chance to get back into that one seed line, this is an absolute dead-on must-win. Huge game for both teams. Yeah. I mean, Kansas' resume isn't great. No. And it's pretty good, but 
It's not great by any stretch of the no, imagination. No, I mean, the conference is so you know, tough. This but. is what's, what's becoming. But I would tell you, for Kentucky, I mean, if you lose at home to UCLA and, and, and to Kansas, you can't have any argument to be a one seed. No. No argument, no skin in the game. I'm just going to say, though, it's kind of weird how we, we the beginning of this season was dictated by, man, the Blue Bloods are all strong. The Blue Bloods are all at the top of college basketball. And now as we're a little past the halfway point, they're all there, but they're not as dominant as we thought they were. They're talented. Nobody's really clicked, I don't think, in this in this season yet where you're looking at them and going, man, that team's starting to pull away or that team's starting to, to generate some distance between the field. I, th- I thought Nova was. I thought they were. But they're not. Yeah. So you think it's more uh, the cream of the crop isn't quite as good. They're a little more closer to the pack than yeah. it is the rest of the college basketball is playing it, up. Well, we thought for a while that, like, the top eight teams. That was it. That, that was really That it. was really all that, that had a chance. And now I think 9 through 20 have kind of walked their way back and, and are in a much better position. UCLA stumbled a little bit than here. Than we thought. You know, UCLA doesn't look unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, if Kentucky, you're playing them in neutral site. You're not playing them at Rupp. Right. Now, it's going to sound like Rupp in the NCAA tournament, right. wherever right. they are. But, I mean, it's, 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 not, as, it's not as tight of, an, of, of a group as I thought. And you're starting to see that there's all the way down to, you know, 14, 15, 16 yeah, teams, no. I think, that can win this thing. I would agree. Speaking of that, and we touched on this with Mike DeCourse the other day, but I want to get you guys' opinion on it, too. It's, it's the I don't care. NCAA. Well, I, I, I just want to touch on it for a second. Cause, cause, uh, I know. The, I'm sure you've got a, a, a – you're an old man. I'm sure you've got a grumpy opinion on it. I don't have a grumpy opinion. I just – okay, let, let me just set the stage for those that don't know. On February 11th, the NCAA is going to announce the top four seeds as of that day. If the selection Sunday was that day um, – actually, it's a Saturday, February 11th, but that's when they're doing it. If the selection was that day, the top four seeds in each region. Um, I don't mind the idea if you followed it up each week after that. I, I don't know what the point of it is to do it then and then just say, Money. Well, we're coming back a month later and we're going we're gonna to then give you the field because so much is fluid. If you want to show me the process of that leading up to maybe right before you do the one, the last one right before conference tournament week starts and then, you know, there's just so much that fluid that happens that week yeah. that it's, it's insane and that obviously leads up to selection Sunday anyway. Um, I, I know you're trying to generate some buzz, and you're right, probably generate some money from, from the TV perspective, but I, I don't get doing it then and then going away for the month, and I don't know what it proves. I don't get doing 16. Like, yeah. We, we know those. Like, those are the ones that don't matter. Right. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do it, release the bottom 16. Like, right, because that's, that's always the conversation. Is the, or release the, the at-large. The, the, the last four in, last four out is usually the, the, the conversation yeah. when you get down to selection time. But here's the thing. I, this actually maybe makes sense because when you're doing it this far out, we don't care about those bubble teams. They're kind of irrelevant. They on all national. stink right now. Yeah. The, the only reason to do this is to get national media to talk about your sport be earlier in the yeah. year. And the only th- teams they're going to talk about are the nationally relevant teams. That's so fair. It's going to be the top that's fair. ones. In a year, we're in the top 16. Is the Blue Bloods. Kentucky, Kansas, yeah. well, everybody but Duke. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Wah, wah. Yeah. Not going well for the Dukies. No, it's not. <laughs> On top of his game. That's the kind of season that the Dukies are having right the, now. The man is on top of his game. I, I will say though, with you see what they did um, on, on Thursday night, I, I'd, I'd be stunned unless they somehow stumble between that date if they're not 
in that four seed range. They're I really, close. I think they'll be. I think they'll be they're in. Really it. close. I mean, if they if they're sitting on two losses, if they don't have another loss, and, they gotta yeah. be a top four seed. Yeah, I, and I would be. I would think they will be between now and it gets then, a little bit tougher for them. February is fairly. Yeah, tough. Here, here's what they got: they got South yeah. Florida, obviously, then at Tulsa, which won't be easy. Um, UConn at home and UCF at home, and then at SMU actually the day after they do this 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 yeah. show. So I, I, they, can, the, I can I, see them very much being this on, on that line. I, I think it's more than probable that yeah. they're undefeated. Twenty one and two. Yeah, I think you got to have them as a top four seed. I would think so too. I would, I would think so. That'd too. be silly not to, especially Agreed. when you start looking at some of the other resumes. Yeah, yeah, and their resume right now, the only two losses are the teams that, yeah, Rhode Island has had. I, Dan Hurley, they're crazy. They're they're they're, they're, they're Jekyll and Hyde. I, I can't. I, I don't get. He has injury issues, like massive injury issues every year, and they're just inconsistent, and they're not nearly as good as I thought they would be. But I mean, you know, what can you do about that? And Butler, obviously. There's no shame in losing the Tinker no. Fieldhouse. No, not at all. All right, fellas, let's do final take time. You got anything, Chad? Go Bearcats? I, I mean. <laughs> Dude, we, we recorded, what, like six hours of content yeah. this week? And I, I, maybe, maybe that's what it is. That, that's just a, just, a, just a chance to just go, whew. Another awesome shootout. Yeah. A memorable game. It was really fun to watch. I mean, I'm thrilled that we got to watch a game up in the 80s. I, you never expect that going into the shootout. No. And this is, looks like the direction of UC basketball. I mean, the, the, you're bringing in a, a jet quick point guard next year to go with the other options you got. I'll give you a final. I'll give you a final. See, he always does. I'll give you a final. <laughs> you just gotta He's get never, a roll. I do. It's, I, I, usually, just I just I just kind of sit back and just kind of wait Fine. for him to, to it's like start, it out. It's like starting your car on a car. Yep. <laughs> and just gonna say a little. Uh, go on. Here comes the room moment. You know, everybody wants because Duke and Kentucky change the sport with the one and done everybody wants everything to be instant we want to instantly change how we play we want to instantly do this well and mick cronin understood that that's not how you change the culture of your program it takes some time and what you have to do is decide we're going to start recruiting more towards guys that are more offense minded and then with each class that you follow in that philosophy and it's the old school method of college basketball, and people forget that this is how it had to be done from the beginning of time, where he wanted to change from being so defensive oriented to having more offensive skill on the floor and being able to play well, with five guys on the floor and, that can and, score at all times. And the way the game's officiated today is, is I mean, it's, it's changing. They, yes. They've changed the physicality yeah. of it, so you better have some more offensive minded players because they're not going to let you bump and bang the way they used to. And you could get you could play games and get away with games yeah. in the fifties. And and it started with Troy. And Kevin Johnson, to a little bit lesser extent, but a guy that, you know, can knock down shots and was kind of thought of as a guy that could help him someone on offense. And then you add Gary. And Jacob. And then Jacob. And you get Kyle to transfer in. And slowly and surely, now Jaron Cumberland. And next year, Keith Williams, who's the best player in New York City. And slowly but surely, you build that culture and you change the culture of your program. And now they're not ugly to watch. Now they're top 40 in... Offense, and as Rick always said, and I'll give him credit for standing fast to this, Rick Mick can teach anyone to play defense. This team is not incredibly tough, not incredibly physical, but they're number seven in the country they're nine. in defense. They're, they're nine after nine, last, after last nine, night. nine in the country they're, they're in defensive nine, they're, they're nine only because of one half from Trayvon Blue and Riley. I mean, Troy, Jaron, Kyle, like those aren't guys that are naturally good defenders. No, that are physically overwhelmingly they're naturally bad. Defenders right. and and they're number nine in the country in defensive efficiency. Yeah, I think your point is is well taken. It, it's a good one. 
I think the only argument I would have, and I think some UC fans who have maybe complained in the past would have, is that one Mick was slow to adopt this style, to move towards this style after it was clear that I don't like, think he ever would have moved toward it if they stayed, if the Big East stayed together. Because I think he would have felt that he had to. I don't know. I, I, that's a good question. I just I, think the game has changed a little I think bit I, in I, regards, I, like with the rules and yeah, like the way I think teams that's are the big part of it. Smaller. Um, I mean, it used to be you could literally mug somebody um, to keep them from getting to the rim, and and you get away with it. You can't even come I mean, close to that. I mean, in the Big East, you had to. Mug and you had to. Mug they people. were going to right, right. pull you to the rim all the time. So right. I get that. I think he was a little slow to adopt it, and then also like like I mean, let's be honest. I don't want to. To take a shot at the kid because he just won the crosstown shootout. He's a little kid, but Kevin Johnson didn't pan out as a, as a skill guy that would really change your offense. No, I mean I he's mean, having he a good year shooting uh, since conference play started. He's right, having but, a solid senior season, but he didn't have the career. Yeah, in terms of bringing of in instant yeah. impact guys that yeah. are going to influence your offense and make you play faster right. or more efficient, he didn't become that guy. He became a defensive specialist more so. So Mick also kind of I don't want to say like missed on recruits necessarily, but didn't necessarily find but the guys that miss. made you. No, no question. But I'm saying, like, he didn't go after, oh, this guy's dead. He didn't go after Trevor Moore. You know right. what I mean? Now he's going after a Trevor Moore who, quite honestly, is going to be a guy that can either Specialist. make shots or he's not going to work out. Right. So. I like it. Good good stuff. See? I know, I know, and you even had a final take as well. Yep. You didn't even know you were going to have one. No dings. I didn't. I we. I really didn't wow. even feel one. Like, I was I was paying attention because he told us he was going to be dinging a, a lot. Dingless show. How about that? I think there was one that, that you I missed. missed in the very beginning. And Go back in post, post-production. I will. Okay. I'll ding his ass. <laughs> just just do it. Just, just at some point, just in case you, you thought you heard a cough, just give him a ding. No, there, I, there legitimately was one right. in the entire show. So a one-ding show. One-ding show. That's all we need right there. Good I mean, stuff. that's almost a perfect ha, game ha, for ha, me. Ha, ha, ha. Also, you got to love that laugh right there. <laughs> our, our laugh from Eric. Yeah, that's my favorite. just money. Speaking of which, he made a bet, right? Yeah, we got to find out on Facebook if uh, E. Hicks has got Keith Jackson in his old That's right. In his old jersey. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Come, ask him to come back on and laugh for us. Fellas, appreciate the work this week. Throwing in the extra podcast, and uh, we'll be back uh, on Monday to recap the college basketball weekend and podcast away again, all right? Slave to the game. That's what we are. Have a good weekend, everybody. 